The information in this podcast is educational in general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision. I want my, I want my countdown. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of In the Market Trenches. I know we had a bit of a hiatus there, but we're back. Uh, we we ironed out our calendar. We have some awesome guests coming up for you. What a time to be on a hiatus. We're going to get to that in a, in a minute. It's been a heck of a two months, a heck of a start to the year. Uh, if this is your first time checking us out, remember you can find us anywhere podcasts are available. We're at inthemarkettrenches.podbean.com. You could find us out at snn.network. You can check us out on the SNN YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash Wire. Gary, I've seen you a bunch this year. It's the first time our viewers get to get to see you and hear you. What a privilege for them. What a two months it's been. What the heck are we going to, where are we start today? Two months. I mean, producer Riley was stuck in Texas, so I think we got a little bit of a pass on some of it, right? Yeah. But there he is. There's the beard of my beloved. There you go. So, all right. So start? we've had a lot go on in the last two months. We uh, sort of just had to make a little list. I, where do you want to? So I've got meme stocks, crypto, SPACs, vaccine roll. Where do you want to start? Start at the very beginning. Let's start with the with the meme stocks. Is it stocks or stonks? I believe it's stonks. All right, so meme stonks. So this one is, uh, I guess, I don't even know where to start. Where would you like to start with this one? First of all, we, we had no position in any meme stocks at all during the course of this. So we were not trading meme stocks. That that's, uh, But I should say that we watched it with great fascination. We were endlessly fascinated by the Reddit crowd, the Wall Street Vets thread, the nomenclature of it all, tendies, diamond hands, paper hands, uh, to the moon, all of it. I, I, I just, I was so fascinated and I just, uh, I, I'm so appreciative of, that, of the nomenclature. And like, I don't know what's gonna happen with Wall Street Vets or these meme stocks. I have some, I have some guesses, but in my mind, like the, the language will live on. What, what do you think? <laughs> The language will live on. Uh, I I had a lot of people reaching out to me that had never purchased stocks before, suddenly wanting to get involved in the market, asking me questions about what's going on. Um, I, you know, the outcome was positive for some people, negative for others. I think a lot of people got an education on what goes, some of what goes on in the market. Um, what short selling is, what that means. Can shares be lent out? The huge uproar over certain big brokerage companies and what they needed to do to preserve liquidity. Um, the whole thing was just fascinating to see unravel. All so, started by people that banded together on an internet forum. It's amazing. Yeah, so like in early January, a bunch of people banded together and then they stormed the Capitol. And then after that was done and they were told to go home, they got together online and they stormed these different meme stocks. 
you know, essentially, right? That's essentially what happened. I mean, they, they, they were talking about it like it was Bastille Day. I mean, like, or, or something like like something like that. I, I just, I, I couldn't believe it. Um, and, you know, inevitably it wound up in congressional hearings, which I was, I was glued to. And I almost thought about leading off today by saying, you know, I, I'm Gary Reby, I'm, I'm not a cat. Just like uh, our, the, the, the famous Roaring Kitty did. I, I love that. So that guy is now a folk hero in my, in, in my mind. I don't know if he did anything right or like, I don't know the ins and outs of what he actually, you know, if he did anything wrong. Um, but I love that he came out and just owned it. He, he owned the whole thing. His headband was in the background. He starts off with a meme. I'm not a cat. And he just used his three or four minutes or whatever they gave him as just an opportunity to pitch the stock. And like, in short, I like the stock. I mean, like he, he won, he, he, he won Uh, my hats off to him. Yeah, I agree. I don't know whether what he did was right or wrong that's for some other higher power to decide but he he owned the stage <laughs> it was it was it was just it was just wonderful uh, you know the rest of it i could have you know okay you had the guy from citadel there and okay you had uh, the melvin capital guy there and like i mean it was basically just an excuse to grill the robin hood guy right for the most part pretty much yeah yep and, so let me uh, ask you this: Do you think it's over? What do you mean by it? Um, this idea that uh, a pocket of people are are banding together—you know—as far as I know, the Wall Street Bets forum still exists. It existed all throughout 2020, um, or at least mostly throughout 2020 that I, that I'm aware of. Do you think there's enough power behind it to? to replicate what happened in early January? Gee, I don't know. I mean, so the hard part about it is like, essentially these guys, a lot of people were clubbing up to create price action and a security for non-fundamental reasons. I, I have to think that somebody steps in and, and sort of starts to look at it and, and really presses harder on what's actually going on there. And maybe if it's not through, you know, this like, it maybe maybe it is through sort of the brokers or looking at stocks that are trading on no fun, you know multiples higher on no fundamental news like maybe there's a little bit more oversight there i i don't know i might my guess is that there's we see some of it but you know that i mean and this isn't really new either i mean this happened 20 years ago when the when when there were you know yahoo message boards and 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 whatever else was going on at that time uh, so it's not really new um I don't know. I what do you don't think? know that we'll. I don't know that we'll see it to the same magnitude that we saw before. I, I think some of the names that were being talked about on the forum were in a pretty unique position where you actually could create uh, a corner in those in those stocks just because yeah. of the 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 market structure and the technicals that were going on behind the scenes with you know a massive amount of short interest in the names. I also think another issue that you had is Roaring Kitty was definitely a figurehead for some of these names. As this became more popular, everyone's going to be pitching their own stocks. And so how do you figure out which one, which, how does the group figure out which ones to follow? I don't know. I don't yeah. know how they latched onto these. I don't know if it was the price action that just made it attractive to other people or I'm sure it was, but, but um, 
I don't know that you get that again. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure this, I'm sure this kind of this kind of thing will occur again in various ways, shapes, and forms. I don't know if it will emerge from the same Reddit thread or not, or somewhere else, or you know what what the heck else is going on. I mean, like we follow a lot of these things that are fairly, you know, a little bit less liquid, and all of a sudden we see these things moving on, you know, things that don't have a lot of volume picking up lots of volume. And you know, you sent me a funny meme, which is uh, uh, it's 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 the it's the part of it's a meme from Toy Story where Buzz is and stuck in the booth with the aliens, and then and they have the claw, and you know. Th- the claw picks up one on top of Buzz and he just, he's being pulled up to the sky and he's just saying, I've been chosen. And that's kind of like, that is like the perfect meme to describe what's been going on with a lot of these names. And like, uh, I mean, we're not involved in, in any, in, in any of that aspect of the choosing. It's just sort of watching it has been sort of, you know, it's, it's just been astonishing to, to watch. And so, um, you know, and, I think, you know, at this point, like Robin Hood's reputation is, is pretty well, pretty well tarnished, but I don't know where else people are going to go to get the same kind of thing. I mean, like, you know, that whole, con- a lot of that congressional hearing seemed like the, just sort of an excuse to ask Robin Hood a bunch of questions and maybe loop in the Citadel guy here and there for, for, you know, the payment for order flow stuff, but, um, which, you know, there's pros and cons to, to that whole thing, but which, which I don't think we should get into, but, um, I think the smartest thing that Robin Hood could do at this point is maybe have Roaring Kitty be their mascot. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> is it the, the equivalent of like the E-Trade baby? Yeah. Get a, I mean, like, I mean, at the, I couldn't think of money better spent than getting that guy to be your spokes. than if they spent their money to get that guy to be their spokesperson. Could you? No. But yeah. They have, they have some extra cash to spend. Yeah. No, well, whatever. All right. So congressional so, hearings, a lot of theater. Congressional. Uh, what else? Anything how, else there? How do we, uh, no, I don't think so. I, we'll see if there's any change that comes out of it. Um, I'm not convinced that there will be, but. Yeah. My guess is that there'll be some tighter regulatory oversight on sort of the activities of, uh, you know, various message boards and what have you, and sort of looking into that aspect of things. But I mean, I don't think, as far as I can tell, I don't think there are any new rules that need to be written to address this. Like it, it seems like, you know, once the risk got to a certain point, people went upstream from the brokers and put risk management in place. And people didn't quite understand how that whole thing could work. Um, and now they've gotten an education on what can happen. So, you know, I don't know. It sort of seems to me like things kind of work like they should now. You know, if you have certain brokerages that are facing that kind of stress under, you know, sort of the trading activity in one stock or a handful of stocks, you know, if we move to our next topic, which could be crypto, a lot of them are now enabling, some of them are now enabling trading in in crypto. And that makes me sort of wonder what kind of exposure could emerge from from that kind of activity. Um, And I don't know really what the plumbing looks like there, um, but... uh, you know, crypto has been the story of, you know, things like Bitcoin and, and what have you. And I think full disclosure, I think we both have a little bit of Bitcoin in like a square wallet or something. Um, nothing major, but just something to sort of think around with. And uh, we've been sort of watching that just sort of, uh, you know, interested and fascinating because we're, we're, we're taken with the idea of, of, of government, mon- non-government money 
primarily um, as an interesting idea. Um, but we, but what's been going on there has been nothing short of fascinating. Even this morning, just you know, you know, the whole ecosystem and infrastructure behind it. You've got this thing called Tether, which people you know were swapping into to then access the exchanges, and you know, but then you've got sort of the idea that this thing could sort of mainstream, which I don't even, I'm not even sure necessarily what, what that means because the whole idea of non-government money, I mean, if you're seeking to avoid the government, in, in essence, you're sort of seeking out lawlessness. And so right. I, I, I don't know, it's unclear to me how exactly that 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 mainstreams and, 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 and what happens as a result, but I don't know. Uh, we've been sort of keeping, keeping an eye on that, talking about that, uh, at least amongst ourselves. Yeah, I mean, I think the non-government money part is what turned me on to the idea of crypto. Um, you had asked me a question, I think it was yesterday, of uh, how much crypto do I think is just locked up and dormant or lost? And I anecdotally, I see articles all the time of, you know, so-and-so had this wallet over here, they forgot the password, and now they can't retrieve their coins. So I I don't know how much of the crypto is locked up in there. I know as more more people die, uh, either you know the life expectancy runs out or some sort of sudden death. You know, if people don't factor that into their estate plan and telling their beneficiaries or the executor what their passwords are, you could have a lot more coins just locked up in virtual wallets, and that just stays there permanently, which reduces the ultimate supply of crypto out there. And I don't know if that's, could that be a longer term 40 to 50 year problem? Possibly. I, I don't know. I, I just, I think it's, it's really fascinating to think about. Yeah. I mean, I mean it, it does seem to be, the idea of it does seem to be sort of mainstream, but you're getting some real pushback from regulators like the New York AG today with the Tether stuff. Right. Um, Janet Yellen, who's the new treasury secretary, does not seem to be a fan. Um, you know, so it's hard to see exactly how, it, maybe we're not creative enough to know how it takes shape. Um, you know, but to us, the core idea of non-government money is an, is an interesting one. And, you know, we can, we can also see it sort of like, you know, we, we own a little bit of gold exposure in our, in our portfolios and, um, you know, we can sort of see gold donating share of, it's the similar, it's a similar idea. You know, you know, it's sort of like non-government. It's sort of this libertarian idea of non-government money, and you're marrying it up with tech with, with the tech crowd. You know, so neo-libertarian tech folks are embracing the idea of non-government money, and you're definitely, you know, at its core, you know, there, there's similar ideas of non non-government money. So you see some share donating going on, even as the printing presses sort of run full bore. Um, it's been just sort of fascinating to watch. Um, you know, you could see you could see an argument where, well, maybe some of the real people who are really bullish on this thing are are right, and uh, maybe some of the people who are bearish on it could be could be also right. And you know, maybe it's one of those things where you know you sort of fake it till the Bitcoin in particular was was able to fake it till they made it. You know, um, you know, but it's sort of like you know, a buddy of ours, Mister Mister of ours. Uh, you know, basically said, you know, you don't want to short somebody's religion because, because, you know, a religious belief is, uh, you know, there's, there's no maths to it and it sort of can get crazy. And some of the stuff is, it borders on re religious belief. Right. And so 
as it as you have this sort of religious fanaticism, you have more and more people. Now, I studied theology. You may not have studied theology, but there's this thing in theology called Pascal's Wager. Are you familiar with this? No. Okay, so I'm going to drop some knowledge on you here. So Pascal's Wager, he was a philosopher, mathematics, math, he was a mathematician philosopher in the 17th century. Don't hold me this century. But his mathematical proof for belief of God was simply that my downside is theoretically infinite, and if there's an infinitesimally small probability that I'm right, the upside, you know, my expected value from belief outstrips any value from non-belief. And I think you're seeing that same idea applied sure. right now to crypto and blockchain and, 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 and well, crypto and Bitcoin in particular. I think perhaps blockchain is a separate matter. Blockchain may be a technology that's searching, you know, a, a problem in search of a solution. But, you know, the idea of non-government money, that's the religion, right? And so you could see you see a lot of market participants making that implicit wager now, um, and it, to me that when you frame it that way, it kind of seems rational. Um, but a lot of the stuff you see going on in and around it, um, you know, like on Twitter this uh, this weekend, people were changing their picture to have laser, eye, you know, the laser eyes to. You know, I'm not even quite sure what exactly, that, but it had something to do with crypto and you know the money that somebody may may, may or may not have made owning crypto. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, up, up enough on, on that kind of thing to, to really know, but like, it's just sort of, it's taken over, it's taken over at least a good piece of people's mind share as they interact with various markets. And, you know, for us, we, we have a lot of questions about it and we try to sort out these things and, you know, we look at various vehicles to maybe do it or not do it. And, it, and we just have so many questions and it's so hard. And so, um, to date, we've done nothing but dink around with some square wallets and, and uh, just to kind of understand, you know, oh boy, isn't this fun. Uh, anything in that, what do you think about it? anything to add there? No, I, um, I don't know. There's much more to talk about with crypto at this point. I think that pretty well covers us, at least for the first two months of the year. Anything else? Should we move on to SPACs? Yeah, I mean, this is this is another one. I mean, all kinds of companies are coming to market this way, and uh, you know, it's interesting that um, you know this has sort of been discovered. Uh, you know, man, the amount of money being raised this way is just astonishing, and the amount of money that's parked in these vehicles, sort of ready to be deployed, is just it it boggle it boggles the mind. Um, what do you think of this? Do you think this is a good thing? You think it's a bad thing? You think it's just it just is? Uh, I think it just is. I yeah. don't think it's a good thing or a bad thing. I think if you don't understand the incentive structure of the SPAC sponsor, it could be a bad thing. Um, but I think it just is. Uh, I, I, and the best, the, to be clear, the best place to sit in this whole value chain tends to be just as the sponsor that gets the deal done, right? Yeah. So oh, yeah, small, yeah, yeah. That's... Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it just is as well. I think it's interesting that you know, I think that you know, my chief complaint used to be that companies were waiting so long to become public that, like, you know, basically the VCs sort of squeezed a lot of the juice out of the company, and you were got you know, as a public market investor, you were sort of getting the last. If anything, you know, there, there may not be a lot left for you to really enjoy. Um, 
I think SPACs may have like kind of an opposite problem in a way where I think you're seeing a lot of like what I would call just VC companies looking for, you know, public markets money because it's there and available. And so I don't, some people are championing that as like a, like it's, it's, it's a way for public market investors to access VC, but I don't know. I mean, yeah. Okay. These are VC stage company, early to mid VC stage. A lot of them are early to mid stage VC companies, but like, is that a good thing for the average public market investor? Do they know what they're doing when they're looking at those VC, the, the, those companies that are at that stage in their life cycle? You know, it's, it's hard to say, if right? Yeah. I mean, if you're a venture capital fund or a seed investor, I'd assume you're at least accredited. Most likely you're a qualified purchaser or you represent a fund or an entity making the VC investment. If you're a public market participant just investing in a SPAC, all you need is a brokerage account. Right. And so there's a different level of sophistication, education, and in, in, in what's going on in the investment process, in the investment due diligence, that I don't think that the average person has. And I, and I think, like, you know, like m the big question I ask before I consider like a lot of things is like, why do these people actually want my money? You know, like if I if I'm a VC and I've got a really really great idea, why why am I not going to Benchmark or to, you know, uh, you know, and recent, uh, like these big VC firms because the dispersion of returns in VC, like, there's a lot of dispersion and like the biggest firms have the reputation and like they earn a lot of re their returns from just not a lot of their returns, but like they get access to things because they provide sort of the seal of approval, which will then draw others to to their companies. And sure, they provide expertise and all this other stuff. There's, there's a lot of things that they provide, but you know, at its core, like there's a signaling effect to raising money from like these really prominent VCs. Mm -hmm. If you're choosing to then exit via the SPAC, why? Or you raise money via the SPAC, like I don't know. My my feeling is that most like there may be a few hits, maybe a couple of you know things that work out maybe okay, but a lot of this is gonna SPACs have a have going into this have had a pretty negative reputation and for good reason. Maybe this this time around there's slightly better outcomes because there's more. I'm going to say more reputable people involved than the previous goes, like you know bigger established institutions and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I don't know in the end that the average outcome will be all that different. What do you think? Or the uh, the average outcome maybe a little bit better, the median outcome may be the same. Average outcome may be a little bit better. Um, yeah. In the sense that you may have one or two that maybe they do win big, right? Whereas before, like like a success story in Spackland previous to this was maybe something that just didn't go belly up. You know, they, they were able to actually have a real company after a few years. Um, in this case, maybe there's some VC type and type companies that actually, you know, wind up being the next next big thing in one of these areas. But you know, if there's a dozen, you know, sort of lidar lidar companies or you know EV companies or whatever it is trying to sell the same five OEMs, I just mm -hmm. think the nature of that is going to lend itself to maybe one or two of them work out, and the other and the rest of them are going to be disappointing. Would be my would be my sense of it. And how long before you we think you have a good assessment of what the outcome is? 
I think it depends on how long the money's flowing. So as long as the money remains free and widely, like it's a liquidity thing, I think is what we're seeing. Like there's just a lot of money flowing and this is just a place for it to sort of flow to. And so as long as the money is flowing, I think it'll keep going. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's some regulatory issue. So, you know, we haven't talked about this, but the, you know, there's a couple of different ways companies can come to market. One is through a traditional IPO process where you have bankers involved. You have a traditional S1 where you have to provide a lot of information about the company. You're not allowed to make forward looking statements, all that sort of stuff, right? The other is sort of a direct listing where it's the same kind of thing as like a traditional IPO process, but instead of, you know, um, it just directly lists on an exchange as opposed to finding investors. Um, and banks tend to like that less because they tend to make a little bit less on average. And then there's this. And the difference with this is the companies that are coming to market this way are allowed to make a bunch of forward-looking statements. And so right. I kind of wonder if you're not allowed to make forward-looking statements because it's, it's technically happening via a reverse merger. And since it's happening via a reverse merger, you're allowed to make forward-looking statements. And so I just sort of wonder if there's going to be some sort of rules that come to the market that address this because it's essentially a regulatory arbitrage. And so let's see if people like this so much when, you know, you can't make a bunch of crazy promises and, or rosy promises, we should say. And, and I'm not so sure. I'm not, I'm not, maybe it won't matter. Um, maybe it will, but um, you know, part of the excitement around this is, you know, these guys are allowed to come out and sell a dream. And if yeah. you're not allowed to sell a dream and, you know, you've got a sort of, you know, uh, it's the, the conversation is more centered on sort of the current reality as opposed to uh, what it can look like five years out. Does that ground things a little bit? Possibly. I don't know. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, we're seeing an ever-increasing number of these named after things like uh, the Queen's Gambit or uh, I saw one that was like yet another SPAC. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I hope we see some uh, like truly crazy, you know, even like I don't think that we've seen how crazy things in can get in general. So I'm sort of just looking forward to what that is and how and how it unfolds and involves. I don't know about you. I think there are a lot of unwritten chapters in this book. We'll see what happens. Um, I just hope not a lot of people get hurt in the process. Mm. So what else? Uh, Producer Bobby, do we have time for one more topic or should we wrap it up? Yeah. Producer Bobby says yes. We, that was an either or question. We got an answer that's just said yes. What, what is that? Okay, one more, one more topic. So we got vaccine rollouts and inflate and reflation trades. So where do you want to start? So if we have one more and I have to pick, I I, I, don't I think they're related. So we could. All right. You want to try it? Go for it. Can so we've up? seen a great reflation trade in the market the last month or two. So, uh, you know, a lot of the folks that are that have been uh, you know, sort of betting on, on some of these great reflation trades, a lot of that's been helped by the vaccine rollout. Um, you know, we're not epidemiologists, but we can, you know, we've done a fair amount of forecasting and it seems like based on the current trends, we're, we're hurtling towards population level resistance. And hopefully that gets reached sometime before, uh, we'll call it, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to set the over under at Cinco de Mayo. What do you think? 
little uh, over two months. I think, I think that's a fine line. Uh, I don't know what you're referring to as normal, but yeah, I'll, I'll go with the under. I mean, maybe there's a greater percentage of, in, of people allowed to do things, you know, sort of indoors or go traveling or whatever. Maybe you're still wearing masks, but you're allowed to do, you're allowed to live your life as you want. Yeah, I'll go with the under. I mean, I think yeah. uh, you made a good point to say concerts probably won't be coming back online for a while because how can you actually plan a venue or a concert tour at this point? Producer Bobby doesn't like your your thinking on, on the topic. Bring I think it doesn't have anything to do with whether or not we should have concerts. I think it just takes more, there's more lead time towards planning a concert and a tour than say, I don't know, uh, you know, having a schedule of sporting events and whether or not you have fans is irrelevant because you have media rights. So, no, you know, that's the NFL, the NFL is going to play their games. Can I tell you just how impressed I was by the NFL this season? They got <laughs> every game. Like, and if I had to make a wager at the beginning of the pandemic, which sporting organization would not give an F about like, you know, what people think and they're just going to plow right through. It would have been the NFL. And damn it, if I didn't see a game with a third string <laughs> wide receiver at the quarterback, like, and I just got to say, like, you know, in the midst of it, they gathered all this data on how the thing spreads and everything else like that. And like, you know, as far as I can tell, nothing terrible happened other than, you know, having to see a really terrible game with a third string wide receiver at your quarterback, uh, maybe a handful of games like that. They, they had a real season. And so like, um, but there's this great sort of, you know, as things sort of reopen, you know, this great reflation trade on, um, you know, we've seen it in energy, we've seen it in financials. We're seeing it. Um, I think there's going to be some revenge travel. There's a lot of like just, you know, sort of pent up demand to do stuff. And mm -hmm. um, it'll be interesting to see how that actually unfolds because I think it, for certain aspects of this, like people are excited, but like, you know, to what extent is it transitory? You know, the, the solution, you know, if you're going to get high prices and things, a lot of times the solution to high prices is high prices. It's pretty easy. Um, so we're very curious to see how well things stick. How do you, how do you, how are you viewing it? Yeah, I, I, I think I'm similar, you know, at this point I'm, I'm forward looking, trying to think about which sectors may not already be priced or fully appreciated for what they are as we go into this hopeful new normal of what life looks like after we get herd immunity or after the vaccine is so widely dispersed that it's less of a concern. Um, uh, and how much of the work from home trade actually sticks too? Yeah. I mean, I can tell you like categorically, I think work from home is like, if you own a business, like, like we do, I mean, like, I don't know. I, I kind of, I can see it, an argument for a certain percentage of the time, but like, it's, it's really hard. I, I think it's, it's easier said than done. If you want it to be more than, for, unless you're talking about certain roles or whatever, you know, 20, 40, you know, two out of two out of five days or, you know, three out of five days tops for some positions. But like, like the more you have to be involved, like, I think, I think that's going to, I think the work from home thing is going to be the thing that sort of slowly recedes in, is my view. Like, and, and there's still be, it'll be enabled. Like if people who want to do it for a day or two can do it, but like, I don't know that it's going to be the norm that other people think. I mean, like there's a, there's a, there's a, you know, in my view, it's sort of out of sight, out of mind. And 
So if you're out of sight, you're out of mind. And for people who give a damn at all about their career progression, they're going to hate that. Right. Like, yeah, totally. It's like people, you know, in the height of the pandemic, people were questioning, you know, is New York city dead to me? The answer is no, it's long-term. No, it's, you know, the networking opportunities there, uh, it, it just offers too much. Uh, I mean, it could be, it could be dead because it's underwater in, uh, you know, no, that could, uh, yeah, I don't think climate change was uh, one of the topics for us. That wasn't, that wasn't the topic du jour <laughs> in March for sure. But no, it, it's not going to, it's not going to be dead because people are working from home. I, I don't think. No, but if you work for a big law firm and you have two people that are associates and one's there every day, that's in everyone's faces, in the partner's faces, and the other is taking their liberties working from home. I don't know. Do they get treated evenly? I'm not sure. We'll I, you know, I think as it relates to this stuff, I mean, it's going to be the, there's going to start, people are going to start to lose out. People who are doing the remote stuff are going to start to lose out to the people who are doing in-person stuff just because, you know, of some of the reasons that we cited. I mean, like somebody's going to go get a sale that they otherwise wouldn't have gotten. Uh, it, all these things are going to happen. And all of a sudden it's going to be like, well, we got to start to get people in here, you know? And, you know, you know, I talk about this. I mean, like if we had, we first, our, our firm is just the three principles at this point, but if we had, you know, staff, how long would we want them doing things remotely? If, if you know, like it, it's an open, it's a good, it's a good question. Like, so I think, uh, you know, as we look at this, our job is hard, but our job should always be hard. And, uh, you know, it's sort of, uh, sort of the burden that we carry. Yeah. Yeah. What else? Any other topics? Did I miss anything? I jotted down a few. Do we hit them all? I think we got them all. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Bobby's telling us it's time to land the plane. So, uh, all right. It's been a long time since I've been in a plane. Please land one. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> Thank you everyone for joining today. Like I said, I know it's been a while since we've, we've since we've checked in. I think we're all caught up on the year. Uh, we have a great lineup of guests coming up. We're really excited. Um, you know, we're going to be back on a regular schedule, uh, and we look forward to talking with you. Remember, check us out anywhere podcasts are available in the market trenches.podbean.com, SNN.network, or the SNN YouTube channel. It's YouTube.com/SNNWire. Gary, always great to see you, even if it is virtual. Uh, Bobby, it's great catching up with you too. All right, everyone. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care. The information in this podcast is educational in general nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.